episode 16. Please be sure to follow the Telltale Fisherman on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, notices of new episodes as they go live, and pictures from some of the most epic fishing adventures ever. Check the show notes for details. Thanks! Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. Okay, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Bill Georgopoulos, and you are coming to us from Toronto, Canada. Well, how about we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do uh, on those days when you'd much rather be out there fishing? Yeah, I'd love to be fishing full time. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten there quite yet. So uh, I currently run a marketing agency um, full time. That's my full time gig. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm doing that, you know, excessively throughout the week, fulfilling uh, requests and and any work that needs to get done for all my current clients and, you know, chasing some new business, obviously, because there's a sales aspect to that as well. So running my marketing agency keeps me quite busy, but uh, I do make as much time as I can. Uh, outside of that to flip out and get out you know fishing and when i do it's usually 10 to 12 hour days on the lake yeah get out and go after it hard when you do there you go absolutely well so tell us a little bit about how you how you got the fishing bug is this uh something that started at an early age or when did you pick it up very young age uh it's kind of an interesting story so i i've probably saw if i remember correctly i was watching a few of the uh fishing shows that were airing in the u.s uh bill dance and hank parker back in the day and oh yeah i just saw this fishing thing and i'm like this is pretty cool look at these guys are bringing their fish in every couple of seconds this is interesting but i knew from a young age that as soon as i saw a few of those shows or watched them i had this bug i wanted to try it i wanted to understand it i wanted to be on the water because I, I i knew that i had that feeling of that i'm an outdoorsy person yeah. um Unfortunately, though, growing up, I didn't have outdoorsy parents and not many outdoorsy friends. Uh, so I kind of didn't get to fish as much as I wanted to as a kid. I remember the first time I did and I caught a, a few small little rock bass off a dock. Mm-hmm. I was uh, speechless, absolutely speechless. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I caught one. Like, this is, you know, this is really cool, right? And you're a young age, you're five, six, seven years old. And um, from there, it was basically jumping right into as much drowning myself in fishing, getting as many magazines as I can get my hands on, trying to scrounge some money together to buy those magazines or ask my parents to buy me a magazine. And and then there was a long wait in there. So I lived fishing through reading magazines, watching all the shows, whether it was late shows or getting up really early on a Saturday because I had no means of getting to a lake to fish. I didn't have the means of uh, the financial side to go get all this fishing stuff and go fish. So it was a long wait probably till my mid-teens when I took it up hardcore because that's when I was able to drive. That's when I was getting my part-time jobs. And that's where pretty much everything I was making was going into funding me getting into fishing. Well, that's yeah, that's really cool. So you were a student of fishing long before you really could actually get out there and be a practicer of fishing. That's exactly it. It was spending time looking at the, the articles, trying to read through every article, understand what species that we had locally, and then after all of that, when you, you know, you're able to drive, you, you're basically thinking, where do I go? What lakes are even here? Because again, I didn't grow up 
in an outdoorsy environment. So I, you know, I'd go on some hikes with friends and stuff like that, but without having, you know, the closest unit to you, which is your parents that were outdoorsy, maybe going, you know, we went camping, I think once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to those camp parks. One, I couldn't drive to them when I finally could. I couldn't even, you know, I didn't know what was there, what fish species was there. So everything I had read turned into this. Now I've got to siphon all that information back and say, okay, where do I find largemouth bass or where do I go find northern pike? And that became the next challenge is to find out where the best places to fish were. Right, right. And so you you made that transition and started to figure out where the fish were and how to catch them and just been doing it ever since, huh? That's exactly it. Nice. So, well, well, tell us a little bit about the fishing that you currently do. What what would be some of your average uh, fishing days that, that you go out and do? An average day for me, I'll give you an example. Uh, last weekend, I spent an entire day. And when I say an entire day, it was probably close to 10 to 12 hours on the water. Nice. Uh, I, I am more into kayak fishing these days because it okay. gets me into some waters that are mainly more secluded when you're in a boat, you can't access them. Yep. So it's exposed me to a whole new element of fishing, being able to get in those waters. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a largemouth bass guy and a smallmouth bass guy at heart. I mean, that's the first, I think, in, in those shows that I was watching down in the U.S., those were the main species that people were fishing for. Oh, yeah. And I saw them and I, this is a really cool fish. You know, it looked cool. The fight was cool. The baits were cool. So I'm a bass guy at heart. Mm-hmm. But I I love the fact that you know here in Canada we have so many great lakes with so many uh, fish species. Oh, yeah. I've gravitated more to hunting some of the bigger fish species, which are the northern pike that grow up to you you know in excess of twenty thirty pounds. Yep. And then the muskie, which everyone you know calls the fish of ten thousand casts, yeah. and you know you catch one of those the first time and you want to go find another twenty thirty of them. So I I've gravitated a little more to some of the more challenging fish especially the muskie, because they're not easy to catch. And that's what constantly pushes me to continue learning and understanding what needs to be done on the water to go catch, you know, three muskie in one day. Have I caught one muskie in a day? Sure. Have I seen another five? Yes. Did I catch any of those five? No. That's the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I I got to go up to Canada for a fishing trip when I was in middle school, and I was just so struck by the beauty of the lakes we were fishing on, and yeah, really enjoyed seeing the pike and, and smallmouth, those things that we don't get to catch down here in Florida. We got lots of other things to catch, but uh, you know we don't get those species, so... Um, yeah, I would, I would love to get back there someday and then definitely chase after one of those muskies like you're talking about. Well, it's, it's, it's something else. I can tell you that, like I said, when you got to put in all these hours and casting and casting, and then you find out you're getting close to the end of the day and you've only seen one muskie, but nothing bit. And you catch a muskie after all that time of trying to find (laughs) one. It really does put a, you know, it humbles you as a fisherman because, you know, you can go out and probably catch three or four bass mm-hmm. in a whole day on, you know, virtually almost during any type of condition. But to try and catch, you know, one muskie in a day, you got to put the time in, you're exhausted, you're casting big heavy baits most of the time, and you got to cover water. And I mean, you know, when you catch that one fish, it doesn't matter how tired, how bruised you are, how exhausted you are. It's the fact that it paid off, putting all that time in actually paid off. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it, you, well you've taken all of your studies and all of your time on the water, and you've put them back in, into a resource uh, that's dedicated to amateur anglers, correct? 
That is correct, and that's uh, my Amfish website. That name basically um, came came to me, and I put that name together because I was just kind of saying, how do you target and have a group of avid anglers and just regular people that are not, you know, no pro relation or anything like that? We're not fishing tournaments. It's everyday people. So I'm I've got so much knowledge that I read upon as a, as a young kid, and now I'm in my early 40s. So you can imagine how long that's been since I was starting to read these magazines at you know, 7, 11, 10, uh, 12 years old, hardcore reading the magazines and watching the shows. And my vision has always been, I want to run something fishing related, you know, some type of business or just be involved in it. And that's when I started the blog back in 2011. And as soon as I started my blog, I couldn't stop. It was just talking about (laughs) fishing. It was talking about everything I knew because it took me so long to learn how to catch fish and how to have very productive days on the water I said, you know, I'd like to give all that back. I mean, I put a lot of time into doing it just for myself. If I can help at least one person, you know, through a YouTube series of videos that are instructional to a written blog that somebody might read every two weeks, just to even catch one fish. I mean, I'll give you an example. I get any type of feedback from someone that I have helped. and, And I just completely say all that time that and all my difficulties and struggles of not catching as a young kid was so worth it. Well, when we get back, Bill is going to share an epic pike fishing story with us. Stay tuned. If I could use only one bait for inshore saltwater fishing, it would have to be the flats jig. It is extremely versatile, and different weights of jig heads can be used to fish from depths of just a few inches all the way down to several feet, and it catches all the target species. Just attach a swim bait, get that tail thumping, and the fish are sure to follow. Go to tell.fish slash gear to check out the flats jigs that we like the best. All right, we are now back with Bill Georgopoulos, and he is now going to tell us an epic pike fishing story, I believe. Okay, so this is a really cool story. Uh, we do an annual boys fishing trip up on the Ottawa River, which is a great fishery. It's got everything from big smallmouth bass to pike to walleye. Uh, to muskie and all that stuff and this is an annual trip with really close friends one of the friends is actually someone i've known since kindergarten so that's what kind of makes those kind of trips uh more even more special and meaningful Mm -hmm. but um you know we do this trip every year we know the water we've been learning the water every year it's challenging you know storms all that stuff so this particular trip we got a text message from the owner of the cottages we're staying at saying that there were huge pike that were stealing walleye off their fishing lines Ooh, that's a good tip Yeah. So when we got that text message, it kind of filtered through the six, seven guys that went on this trip every year. And I went right into, I'm catching that pike. I'm, 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 I got to find a way to catch that biggest pike that's stealing these walleye. Like we'd Mm -hmm. have a window going up this day. The window's not going to last that long because I kind of understood feeding patterns in big, long bays like this. So I basically spent that week and any time I had strategizing, what bait do I need to get? Darn, I need to go get something that kind of it, it resembles a walleye, but maybe gives me a little more versatility. Needless to say, I'm on the hunt. I'm going to fishing stores, my local Bass Pro, Cabela's, or whatever we had here at that time. Yeah. And I'm buying large 13, 14 inch deep diving uh, grandma crankbaits. So these are you not know, the these are not the baits that uh, most guys are pulling off the shelf. These no, are, these are the baits that are basically you know the length of half of your arm. Yeah, <laughs> and they weigh several pounds, and you know you have a nice big rod, very tough, uh, durable line, everything mm-hmm. you know, a strong reel. 
So I got the bait that I wanted to actually give a go. I know it seemed like it would be versatile across the board. I grabbed that. Then I'm strategizing. How do I fish this bait? I know that bait. We fished it before. Where are they going to be? How are they striking? How are they attacking? Because we couldn't get all this information. We do the long drive up to the trip, which is a six, seven hour trip up there. Our priority is obviously to get settled in the cottages. Food gets away. Coolers get away. All this stuff gets done, which is a long tour to do. And we had a small window to fish before nightfall was going to start to happen. So it was probably closer to maybe 4, 4.15 in the afternoon. We said, let's go for a fish. I was already in my boat before the person could even say, let's go for a quick fish. I was ready to go. We're going to go get that pike. It's going to happen. We get to the lighthouse where this big feeding bay was. I, I That's the first bait. I said, I'm only using this. Put it on my biggest, strongest rod and reel that I had. And we said, we're going to troll. We got to find these pike. Yeah. My bait was not in the water longer than about what felt to me like a minute and a half. And I get a, I get this crippling strike. I went to set the hook. The fish is gone. I'm oh. like, I pulled my bait out of the water to make sure I didn't snag anything or there was any weeds. I drop it back in. As soon as I drop it back in, I probably didn't even get a chance to count to 10. Mm-hmm. And I had a monster on And how I knew this started to be a monster is it was pulling line. I had a big gear. I stood up. We're trying to get the boat organized. Someone get the net. Someone get over here. Someone keep the boat moving. I am fighting a monster pike. And I knew it and I felt that it was the pike that was stealing the walleye. You just get that that fisherman's instinct. Yeah. (laughs) Well, before you know it, I have an over three and a half foot pike that dives out of the water completely vertical. It's got my 14-inch bait dangling from its face, so I know I have it hooked well because that's the first okay. visual I this thing torpedoed straight out of the water. That Yeah, that's always a scary moment when you're trying to figure out if they've got the bait in their mouth well or not. There you go. So this guy's vertical out of the water. He falls back into the water. We all freak out because I'm going, this is my biggest pike. I knew it. It had to be my biggest pike. Like mm-hmm. This is just huge. We bring this guy in, we get the net ready, everything gets, you know, we're kind of coordinating who's going to do what. We unhook this fish. I take a couple of quick photos with it because obviously, you know, it's a big beast. It's a predator fish. I don't like to keep them out of the water yep. very long and harm them because I'm a, mainly a catch and release guy. I revive it. I did everything I could. It revives nice and strong, gives me the splash when it swims away. And that was my fish of a lifetime. I, you know, the jitters are coming back now. We all had the jitters, excitement, high fives, everything was going on. It didn't stop there. I threw that bait back out and I caught another four to five pike that were not exactly this size. The pike, the very first one I caught had to be probably in that 21 to 23 pound range. Yeah. And about, you know, three and a half, maybe three and a half feet, almost four feet long mm. uh, in the picture that I that I have here. Because, you know, I'm a pretty tall guy myself and measured to me. This thing was, you know, pretty covering pretty much a, a lot of a lot of length of my body. But I ended up catching, again, another four to five pike that were well over uh, 40 inches. Man. Uh, all of them ranging from, you know, anywhere from that 15 to 20 pound range, hitting the same bait. You know, we unhooked a bunch of them. We got them all back into the water safely. And this all happened in somewhere in the neighborhood between a 37 to 41 minute window. Wow. So if I had caught the one, I would have been the happiest guy in the world. But I I was blessed to have the best pike fishing day ever because I caught, you know, five, uh, five to six trophy pike in in less than an hour. Wow. And, And all on that same bait, huh? all on the same bait. It was a matter of capitalizing on what we had heard, 
what they're feeding on in that area and, and testing it out and saying, I'm going to stick with this. We're going to troll through this area. We're going to see if we can get them. If these guys stationary, are they roaming? And I knew after the first strike that I, that was the missed strike. I knew we were going to find him. I knew we were going to get them. Oh, wow. So was this, this is in a river you said? This is an Ottawa river. It's a big body of water, mm -hmm. a lot of different structure, a lot of feed that you're competing with when it comes to using baits. Yeah. The fish are very well fed in this, in this big system. Um, and again, it wasn't, you know, like we had fished this fishery for the last 20 years. We were doing this annual trip probably, I think that was year five or year six where I caught, where I had this stunning pike day. Mm -hmm. And every year is different. We go up the same, around the same time, which is August, and we try and do kind of that late summer fish. Yep. And it changes. We've been chased off the water by storms. We've had weeks where we can't fish for three days in a row. Uh, you know, we've had really cold weather where the fish shut off. And then you've had, you know, moments like this that you remember. And we used to start making a little a library book that would make online uh, an annual book dated with, you know, all our pictures in it. And we did that for the first four to six years uh, because it was just an amazing little, you know, takeaway of that trip, a memory of that trip. Right. Everyone's best catches, uh, some yeah. stories, you know, whatever we did. Yeah. Wow, that that really is pretty amazing to catch that many big pike in one well less than an hour. That's, yeah, that's well, amazing. One, I mean, in in one in one season, yeah. you know, in, in our, our season here, we get to start fishing mid-May and probably have to wrap up, you know, maybe late October, depending on how fast it starts to get cold here. But if I had caught that many pike in one season, I mean, I again, I'd be a really happy guy. <laughs> but to catch that many in less than an hour in one day, surrounded by really good friends on an annual fishing trip that means a lot, yeah, it took the cake of all my fishing stories. Well, Bill, that is an epic story uh, to be sure, and I'm just really uh, glad you came on and shared it with us today. Thanks so much. Oh, definitely. Thank you for letting me uh, actually share this story with uh, with all the listeners. Here at the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, we are looking to record the most epic fishing stories from around the planet. If you are listening to us from outside the U.S., we would love to have you share an epic fishing adventure from your country. Go to www.tell.fish slash guest to sign up to be on the show today. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.